You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot button internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning. This is Bennett Kelly broadcasting live from the Internet Law Center here in downtown Santa Monica, the heart of Silicon Beach. And we have a very interesting show for you today. We actually have um, a volcanologist, and i um, say that one three times fast, uh, who is running for Congress. And let me explain why we're, we're having Jess Phoenix on. You know, over the years, we've had uh, a number of shows devoted to um, upcoming elections, including in four years ago, we actually had um, a Silicon Beach debate um, among all the candidates running for um, Henry Waxman's open seat, um, for the, which was the first time it was open for 40 years. And um, we've also had, last year, we had someone from Engine um, who had his scorecard for startup and uh, which candidates were best, and um, he kind of outlined those and um, Donald Trump got an F on that, and uh, we also had a preview of the California primary. So it's a, we're bringing Jess on because she's emblematic of really what this election is coming down to. Um, she is promoting. Um, she's one of a number of women running. In fact, there are over three hundred women running for the House this year. A record. She's part of a wave of scientists running for Congress, which we'll talk about. And um, in addition, she's running in a swing district where there's a Republican congressman, but it was carried by Hillary Clinton uh, in 2016. So this this race is one of the ones to be watched in 2018. So um, without further ado, let me bring on Jess Phoenix. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Now, being a, a volcanologist, which I'll, we'll, we'll go into in a second, uh, has afforded you a certain national stature uh, because you, of the rarity of it and the fact that you're part of this wave of scientists running. Can you tell us about that? 
Uh, yeah, so it's very unusual to have volcanologists doing anything other than uh, studying active volcanoes. There are not that many people in the world who do that for work. And, uh, you know, there is an inherent interest in volcanoes uh, as well as, you know, any other sort of natural disaster. Um, so when people hear that not only am I a scientist, but I specialize in researching volcanoes, uh, that piques a lot of interest. And uh, people wonder, you know, why would you give up working on volcanoes to run for office? Uh, because usually, I think we've really seen a, a growth in this over the last few years. Um, but we, we see people who run for office not because they want to serve the country, but because they want power or prestige uh, to feed their ego. And, uh, you know, this is not a way of advancing one's career if you're a volcano scientist. Uh, <laughs> so I think people are just naturally curious. And, you know, you have the benefit of, the, the, or at least I should say the good timing of actually having geological things happen during this race, to you, which puts you being quoted in, for example, yesterday's New York Times about a sinkhole in the White House. Um, if, if there's a metaphor handed to you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny because we have sinkholes all the time. I mean, there was one in Florida yesterday that was causing some trouble as well. And uh, if people recall, last year, there was actually a sinkhole um, on the president's Mar-a-Lago property in Florida as well. So sinkholes are common occurrences, but having one happen at the White House when, you know, you're a geologist running for Congress is really great timing. Uh, and then, of course, you've got <laughs> Kilauea erupting and, and uh, there's other volcanoes. Uh, Cinnabung is erupting overseas and you know, there's just, uh, the, the geology never sleeps, essentially, but it's, people are more aware of it when they remember, oh, yeah, I heard there was a geologist or a volcanologist running for Congress. Oh, wow. Uh, let me see what they have to say about, you know, the sinkhole or the volcano. And you come at this issue, I think, for, you know, for our listeners, you know, being a cyber-oriented, not only are you, you come from a science background, but your, your husband is involved in tech. Isn't that right? Uh, yes, he's actually the um, global cyber strategist for VMware, which is like the back end of the internet for those who don't know it. But I think on, on this station, probably a few more people know it than average. <laughs> <laughs> so um, tell me about the process of deciding to run. You know, were were mm -hmm. you solicited by some of these groups seeking scientists? No, actually, uh, it was it was sort of uh, suggested to me by some of my friends and colleagues. Um, I gave a talk at the Natural History Museum in LA last year, uh, a couple days after Trump's inauguration. And like many people, I had been feeling very discombobulated about the state of the countries, you know, that, that we would actually elect Donald Trump. Uh, and, you know, when I gave this talk, I had um, a friend come up to me afterwards and bring his two young kids who were uh, twin four-year-old boys. Now they're five. Uh, but he said to me, I'm very concerned about the state of the country that my kids are going to grow up in. Uh, and and then at the same, you know, after after party for the confer for the talk I gave, uh, a couple scientists came up to me and said, you know, we really need people who can communicate science uh, out there running for office. I mean, it'd be great if, if you were in Congress. And I sort of thought, oh, maybe I could run. And then I reached out to some different groups and uh, 314 Action, which is the group that's encouraging scientists to run. Uh, they gave me some initial advice about the campaign. Um, and, you know, it turns out most of it doesn't apply to the kind of race that I'm running. Uh, grassroots campaigns are a different <laughs> animal. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, but you know it was it was nice to have uh, some direction on where to start. And just just for for laughs, can you tell the audience what the three one four action what the three one four refers to? Yes, it's actually um, the first couple of digits of uh, pi, the irrational number. P-I is the way it's spelled. It's not delicious pie. It's just pie. Uh, but it, um, you know, it, the number is 3.1415926 and it just goes on. Uh, it's, it never, there, the number does not end. There is no known end to it. So it's actually one of the most uh, well-recognized numbers in math and science. So is your campaign a combination of political and science geeks? Um, kind of, yes. That's a good way of putting it. It's, or just people who value what science brings to the conversation, which is, uh, facts and, uh, an objective way of looking at those facts. So when I actually say, um, that I'm in favor of evidence-based policymaking, um, that's making a pretty interesting political statement because a lot of political work these days is done on the basis of opinion. And it's nice to be able to say, you know what, no, I, I'm going to look at what the data is telling me about any given problem or any issue, and I'm going to follow the data's lead. And people really like that. I mean, you don't have to be a scientist to appreciate basing policy, in fact. Right. And it's, it's just curious. You wonder, how did science get politicized? Well, you know, science actually is inherently political. I tell people that because... You know, there's this sort of notion that science is scientists never enter the political conversation and that science should be left out of politics. But nothing could be further from the truth. And that's because uh, when governments decide what science they're going to fund and what research they're going to support, uh, that is actually a political statement because they allocate federal budget money towards that research. And uh, the federal government actually uh funds almost 70% of all research that goes on in our country. So anytime the government makes a budget decision, that actually has massive implications for science, and it is a political statement. Um, What is not political is the scientific method. That is the process that we use to eliminate uncertainty uh, and try to find um, something of greater certainty. I don't want to say absolute truth, because there are very few things in science that that we can prove beyond a doubt. But uh, we do try to remove uncertainties around given issues or topics, and that is an objective process. And it's not like this is the first time science has been political. I think there's a, a prior guest on a show, Galileo, who <laughs> 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 yes, I mean, point out that there, you know, it, it has been, there have been consequences for trying to point out that science needs to be recognized. Yes, and uh, actually, in about well, sixty-four years ago, uh, Robert Oppenheimer was, you know, very much uh, involved in the creation of nuclear technologies, and he tried to point out um, that there were dangers to nuclear, and uh, he was actually uh, stripped of his security clearances, so persecuted by our government, and was unable to continue the work that he loved and that he had built his career around. So the scientific community. 64 years ago, pretty much decided we're going to put our heads down and shut up and just do our work because we want our grants to be funded and we want our research to continue to have backing. So that, I think, is, is where we are right now, is, is changing that, um, maybe reverting to a more vocal uh, attitude politically. And, uh, of course, scientists were heavily involved in World War I's efforts towards developing chemical weapons. So people people forget that many scientists who were drafted were actually then 
pulled into um, the engineering regiments around uh, developing war chemicals. So the science has been you My know, alma pretty mater was yeah. very oh. involved in it, and they just discovered a whole bunch of stockpiles in this very wealthy Washington D.C. neighborhood. And oh, you went to American? To... Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. That's great. <laughs> But no, yeah, they they left a lot of the testing areas that they were there are you know under people's houses. So yeah, it's right. um, it's a very big thing. I think the scientific word is oops. Um, yeah. But <laughs> you, you you mentioned Oppenheimer. There actually is a very good play on uh, the trials of Robert Oppenheimer on his loss of security clearance. For anyone who's interested in learning more about it, so um, let's get into um, Jess Phoenix, the candidate. Um, so you decide to run. What What is it that Jess Phoenix delivers to um, her district? Well, I have a very unique vision uh, for the future of what our community could be like that uh, none of the other candidates are presenting anything like that, including the Republican incumbents. Um, it is very much a reactionary race, uh, aside from what I'm proposing. And that is I want to make uh, our district, which is, 25th in California, it's it's not, nobody knows these numbers, so it includes Simi Valley, uh, Santa Clarita Valley, and uh, the Antelope Valley, so Palmdale and Lancaster are some of the cities up there. So it's a big, sprawling district, and we have a long history of aerospace manufacturing. So I want to build on that and actually um, basically expand our focus to become a global hub for green technology research and development, and I also want us to make sure that we become uh, a leader in cybersecurity as well. So nobody is doing, nobody's proposing anything like that. And that's what I'm bringing to the table is somebody who understands the grant making process um, at the federal level and uh, what it takes to have successful um, scientific and, and research programs set up. So I want to make sure that we bring a, uh, a publicly funded four year degree granting school to our district. We don't have one now. We only have two-year schools. Um, the closest university that is a public one is Cal State University Northridge. And uh, that's a problem for us right now is our district is largely a commuter district. So I would love to have people staying here in the district during the week uh, and during the day and spending dollars here at local businesses and uh, making sure that we um, have this university have signature programs in green tech and cybersecurity. And the district, you know, which is, is it fair to say, is an exurb of Los Angeles, you know, it is, as you mentioned, known as a, a bedroom community. But in looking into it, I was surprised to find you know, certain aspects of it. It is, um, for example, Palmdale is known as the aerospace capital of the United States because of the, you know, the Air Force base there and, and the, all the testing that was done for the space shuttle and, and other Air Force programs and NASA programs. Um, you have... Um, among other things, in you're the home to Six Flags, Princess Cruise, and um, the Reagan Presidential Library. Um, and let's not leave out the California Poppy Festival. Yes, uh, I actually went to the Poppy Festival just a couple weeks ago. It is a lot of fun. Um, I highly recommend it. Uh, there's actually a lot more entertainment than actual poppies, but it's still pretty fun. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's the thing is, the district actually has a lot to offer, especially in terms of space. Um, we are not packed in on top of each other like most of L.A. County. And uh, Simi Valley is technically in Ventura County. But uh, it's it's a very open sort of place. And uh, we just don't have um, enough jobs for people who are, you know, born and raised here. Uh, we just don't have that right now. 
So we've got a lot to offer, but we, we're not keeping people here. And a lot of times the folks who work uh, for, for Boeing, Northrop Grumman, uh, Lockheed Martin, they may come from, you know, further away. They, they're not from here because we don't have an institution in the area that is helping create skilled people in those fields. So we can do better than that, I think, because we do have the potential. Is it so? Using that's the infrastructure that you would you would use to, to expand into green tech and cybersecurity. Uh, that's some of it because we do have that that knowledge of how we manufacture things, uh, pretty advanced technological things. Uh, but we also need to make sure that we're investing in our critical infrastructure. Uh, we need to make sure that we're you know protecting ourselves from cyber attacks as well. Um, so any data centers in the area need to be uh, made secure and with the latest and greatest in security protocols. And we also need to uh, you know invest in our our transportation infrastructure, our um, you know our electrical and, and water infrastructure. We have the several faults running through our district. Uh, the most famous of which is the San Andreas. It's about six miles from my house, and of course. This section of the fault is one of the sections that has not ruptured in quite some time. So there's a lot of stored up energy uh, in those rocks, and we want to make sure that we are prepared for you know whatever it is the fault can unleash on us, which could be a pretty big deal. And there are actual um, active faults that also underlie. There's one, the Santa Susana fault, that underlies the um, the uh, Aliso Canyon Natural Gas Storage Facility which is, you know, that fault has the potential to rupture at a magnitude 7.2 or 7.3. I've heard, I've heard both numbers, but that is a pretty big deal that would actually cause um, another massive gas um, release like the one we saw a couple years ago, but magnified. So wow. this, there are some, some real reasons for investing in our infrastructure uh, and making sure that we are thinking of the future and not just reacting to problems as they crop up. Now, and you talked about cybersecurity, the, uh, the White House last week eliminated the Office of Cybersecurity Coordinator and has been kind of vacant on leading in cybersecurity because they, they treat any discussion of cybersecurity as you know somehow leading into the Russia investigation in which they said consider you know undermines the legitimacy of the presidency. So uh, how, what was your reaction to that elimination and, and where is your opponent on this? Um, nobody has spoken out in our race that I've heard of. Um, I actually find it to be completely foolhardy uh, to eliminate that position. Uh, we need a cybersecurity figurehead sort of czar person uh, more than ever right now. Um, you know, I keep saying that, you know, the wars of the future are going to be fought online and they're not just of the future. They're already happening today. Uh, we're seeing cyber attacks. I mean, even from the last several years, people can probably remember Sony and Target. And right. I mean, there were some very major breaches. And I mean, the, the fact that we've had one of our credit reporting agencies breached and, you know, essentially everybody in the country's data has been compromised. If you have any type of credit history whatsoever and you are an adult American, you've probably had your, your information leaked out there, which you know, I think that's not getting as much attention as it deserves, and it's certainly not getting the attention it warrants uh, from this administration. Oh, definitely. And um, now, your opponent. Well, what what dis- what distinguishes you from Steve Knight? And tell us you know, about him and why you think he should not be returning to Washington. 
Well, I mean, the, the easiest thing to, to mention and why it's such a unique opportunity to have a scientist running for this particular seat is that Steve Knight sits on the House Science Committee, uh, which also covers technology and space. So he is on this committee, and he is somebody who has said uh, California's preparations for climate change are foolish. And that's his word, not mine. Uh, so this is this is somebody who is tasked with um, helping to make decisions regarding the country's scientific future. Uh, that is unconscionable to me. So we have a unique chance to replace a science denier with somebody who could actually credibly sit on that committee and make decisions that are based in sound scientific reasoning. So that's really key. But Knight also, last March, he actually voted... Um, to allow uh, consumers' data to be sold. Uh, that was uh, had to do with, you know, cable um, and, and Internet service Right, he providing. voted to repeal the FCC privacy rules. Yep, from last March. And uh, and then now he says he supports net neutrality, but, uh, you know, who knows if he actually does, because I haven't seen that he has taken any actual concrete action to back that claim up. Um, so, you know, if, you know when this, this latest... Um, uh, when the CRA, when they got that through to, um, you know, through the Senate, I don't think that Knight will be one of the people who uh, votes against uh, Ajit Pai uh, in the next go around. I, I can't really see him doing that. So we'll we'll see what he does. But he, so far, he has shown us that he is no friend of of privacy or security, um, unless it's you know military might, not so much uh, cybersecurity. Well, um, we're a friend of our advertisers, and we're going to take a short break to let them have a word. Um, but when we come back, we'll be talking more with Jess Phoenix on Cyberlaw and Business Report, only at webmasterradio.fm. Stay tuned for more of the Cyberlaw and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. The Web Marketing Association is now accepting entries for the 2018 International Web Award Competition. Web Marketing Award winners receive an image plaque, certificate of achievement, higher visibility for your company, valuable feedback from our expert judges, and links to your site from the highly ranked Web Award site. Visit www.webaward.org to nominate your company, site, or organization. Deadline for entries is May 31st, 2018. Go to www.webaward.org and sign up today. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, So Social, the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your Facebook contest and sweepstakes. Create a fun, easy-to-win contest by writing a simple Facebook post. Watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction. Track your traffic and generate email lists with ease. So Social is mobile-friendly and complies with Facebook terms of service. Let So Social give your Facebook page some flash today. Zoom over to zosocial.com. Not on my watch, our military service members say, as they volunteer to serve, as they move out, stand firm, and take fire. So not on our watch, we say, to the severely ill or injured veterans who can't get the care they deserve to live full and independent lives, even when there's no government funding or a nursing home seems like the only option. We won't leave one warrior behind. Not on our watch. Join us at findwwp.org. WebmasterRadio.fm We're everywhere. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. 
This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. And we're back, and we're talking to Jess Phoenix, and we have background on Jess and the the district um, on our show notes, which are available at CyberLawRadio.wordpress.com. And also, you can follow us on Twitter, as always. Give us your feedback there at CyberLawRadio. Um, one, this is definitely an unusual uh, election year, and nothing signifies that more than the fact that today happens to be Stormy Daniels Day in West Hollywood. Um, she's been presented with the keys to the city by the, the mayor and city council today. Um, so politics are getting stranger and stranger. So maybe that explains the appeal of a scientific candidate, Jess, do you think? I sure hope so. Um, it's actually funny. While we were on the break, I just had an email come in from the Union of Concerned Scientists uh, urging everybody in California to remember to vote science on June 5th. And I, I was thinking, why can't they just say vote Jess, an actual scientist, <laughs> on June 5th? But, uh, yeah, they're, they're on 501c3, so I get why they, they can't say they that. Can't. <laughs> now, there is one headline, actually, I'd, I'd like to call to your attention, and that is that the Trump administration initially appointed a, a head of EPA for the Western region, who is a climate change denier. And oh, boy. I that, hadn't that, seen that one. Oh. Yeah, that, that <laughs> was just announced. I mean, that puts that issue square and central here in this election. Oh, yikes. Yeah, I, uh, I'm going to have to look that up once we're finished because um, that's really bad news. Uh, but, you know, again, it doesn't surprise me based on the various people that – uh, the Trump administration has appointed to pretty much every important position. They've all seemed to be the least qualified folks for whatever given role it is. I mean, why are you putting Ben Carson in charge of HHS? It's just weird. Uh, and of course, we all know why Pruitt's in charge of the EPA right now. And, you know, you've got Rick Perry, who can't even remember the Department of Energy in charge of the Department of Energy. So there's just so many bad people and well people who are badly suited for their positions in charge that i guess this doesn't doesn't really surprise me it just is depressing so what what issues you've been out there now um what issues are resonating with the district well healthcare is a really top issue for a lot of people um because you know the trump care ahca that was uh, attempted to be passed last year uh, that actually would have caused about 60,000 people from our district uh, to have lost their health care. So it didn't happen, which is good. But Steve Knight actually voted for that to happen. And it's kind of bizarre to think that a Congress member who is representing a specific district could vote for something that would actually directly harm that many people in his district. So that one is when you tell people Steve Knight voted for Trump care, uh, they are generally very shocked because they thought that he would have said, no, you know, that hurts people in our community. Uh, same thing with the um, this ties into to climate change and the environment. But the wildfires last year where um, we had one in our district, one of the major ones in Southern California was was in our district and the other two were next to our district. So it was a very present thing for us. And um, Steve Knight voted in that GOP tax bill. He voted to eliminate uh, tax deductions for wildfire victims, uh, which is so harmful to his own constituency that a lot of people are, are not going to forget that. And, uh, and his other votes about the environment, which have to date, he has a he was at a zero percent lifetime score from the League of Conservation Voters. 
but he's actually improved that to uh, 3% over the wow. last year. So you still, you have to be trying to vote <laughs> against the environment that frequently. And that's yeah. a big issue here in California. We care about the environment here. You, you touched on something, and there was a couple of telling incidents last year that really showed um, how the Republican Party has changed and how they're putting the, the party over their their constituents. And one was, you mentioned the wildfires, and Governor Brown had issued a, a letter to Congress um, you know, and the president urging um, emergency disaster relief for the wildfires. I think this was in response to the ones in Northern California. And it was signed by um, all Democratic members of the, leg- the congressional delegation and only one Republican, and Steve Knight was not one of them. He would not sign a letter urging the president to provide help to his home state. And then again, when the issue of the repeal of state and local tax deductions as part of the president's tax package, which would have a huge negative impact on California, uh, he and other Republic, California Republicans stood firm and they chose you know, the president and the Republican Party over a, a measure that would clearly harm the local constituents. It just signs, I think, of a radicalization of the party. Yep, I think so. And uh, it's, it's really uh, polarized and factionalized. And I think that's very dangerous because it is sort of something that is going to divide us further when in reality we have more that unites us as a country and as as people than divides us so it's very harmful to kind of perpetuate the notion that um republicans and democrats are so far apart when in actuality a lot of us want the very same things we want clean air clean water clean soil and we want to have safe communities for our kids to be educated in and and grow up and work in and we want to have jobs that pay us enough money so that we can uh, enjoy what we do and feel like we're we're contributing something something positive to our society. So I think we have those goals in common. And when people act like it is just so, so um, divided, it really does everybody in our country a huge disservice. Now, you, you're running in what is sometimes referred to as the jungle primary. In California, um, the top two vote-getters emerge and run in the general election um, regardless of party. So it's kind of seen like this cage, political cage fight. Uh, And um, what distinguishes you um, from the other candidates in addition to Steve Knight? Um, So I would say that's... um Gosh, I mean, there's just so much there. Uh, uh, so Steve Knight, in reality, is somebody I would vote mostly in opposition to. I can just say that. But that is because he's voted 98.6% with Trump. And our district went for Hillary by 7%. So it is uh, areas of agreement with Steve Knight would be things like, you know, it, it, votes he may have made to 
uh, increase public school education funding, uh, but not for things like he's trying to do, which are barrier technology funding. You know, that's that's not going to help actually make the school safer. It's going to help privatize uh, things surrounding schools. So it's I don't know. Finding commonalities with him is tricky. But I do think uh, and that's just because he's so extreme on the Trump side. But, you know, in finding things in common with with other congressional Republicans is a lot easier because there are folks who are much more moderate, who understand when we need to work together to accomplish something. But but night isn't one of them. <laughs> so making it specific to night is a really, really big ask. <laughs> and and so in terms of the other Democrats running, um, how do you distinguish yourself from them? Uh, well, that's fairly simple. Um, I'm the only one running a grassroots campaign. Um, they're basically running sort of standard issue political campaigns that anybody would expect um, to see from a traditional sort of uh, corporate backed Democrat. And, you know, big money is ruling the day. And I'm not playing that game. Uh, I actually have over 1,500 more individual donors than either of them does. So it's, it's really a broader approach to getting people engaged in politics who have never been engaged before. So that is a big, big, big deal. Um, also, you know, again, like I said, they don't have uh, a vision that they're talking about. They have, um, they have the, um, they have like just reactions, I guess is the best way of putting it. They have reactions to, um, what Trump is doing, what Knight has done, but neither of them is is proposing anything forward thinking for the community. It's, I will fight Trump, I will, you know, I'll fight for this, I'll fight for that, but it, nothing is new or different or innovative for the community. So I think it's really, um, really an interesting thing to, uh, to see that and to see that that's where politics has, has gone from a marketplace of ideas um, where people are representing their community and saying, what can we do to make our, our area's future better to, well, this is bad and this is bad, so I'm running to fight it. And I think we can do much better than that. So it's, it's a question of, do you want a legislator who's going to vote yay or nay on things you agree, agree with, or do you want a legislator who's going to try to transform the community to be you know, a green tech hub or you know, transform the community in a way that it has more opportunities? Um, so, yeah, I think that that is that's pretty much the bottom line of it is we have to say, what do you want, a reaction or do you want to be proactive? Do you want a, do you want a legislator or a leader? Exactly. I think that's that's a good way of putting it very succinct. That's, I'm a lawyer. That's why we get paid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so what do you see the challenges between now and June 5th? Um, so <laughs> I think I think that, um, it, you know, it's mainly getting out the vote at this point. It's just reaching people and saying, hey, make sure you're going to vote and you need help getting to the polls. Um, you know, we're, we're going to be offering carpools to get to the polls. Um, you know, it, we're just basically interested in getting people engaged in the process. And it doesn't just have to be people who are going to vote for me. We'll give anybody a ride to the polls. I think that's the main thing is getting people out and saying, look, dem- democracy is for you as well. It's not for somebody else to do. And, and just reminding people of that, that we have a unique opportunity 
to elect a very different sort of candidate in our district uh, with, you know, a scientist who has a forward thinking vision. And, uh, you know, we just need to democratize our democracy because right now it's not really serving your average person. It's serving uh, the 0.58 percent of adults who donate politically and uh, they decide who gets on the ballot and who makes it to Washington. Now, one issue that's been a hotbed and particularly way it's been politicized by President Trump is, is immigration. And part of the reason why we picked you to be on the show was um, you're not only are you kind of re- representative of, you know, the wave that is happening in terms of women and scientists running, but you're, you're in ground zero that, you know, there seems to be this pitch battle between Trump and the state of California and immigration is one of those issues. Uh, how do you view this and what, what do you propose? Well, it's really important that we look at the facts and the data here. Um, Right now, with immigration specifically, California has adopted SB 54, which is saying that we are a sanctuary state. Um, That does not mean that we are a state that is going to look the other way when crimes occur. It means that statistically, we are safer because people who are immigrants uh, will report crimes to local law enforcement. What it really means at its essence is that local law enforcement will not use its resources to do the job of federal law enforcement. And uh, I think that it's it's interesting that a lot of the people who are so vehemently opposed to SB 54 are people who are very much in favor of states' rights in other areas. Uh, yet here, they don't want California defying the federal government. So I think that that is, uh, it's a little bit amusing and in a sad way. But it also shows that they don't truly understand what the real world impacts of sanctuary policies are. And I also hate the term sanctuary city or sanctuary state because it's not it's not a legal term. It's just something that's intended to politicize and uh, and distort people's perceptions of the issue. I actually had to write something on it in law school. <laughs> oh, wow. But but, um, but one th- one thing that uh, comes up is. Um, in, in this district in particular, um, I just lost my train of thought, forgive me, but um, you have immigration, and that's clearly been politicized, um, but you're just the whole battle between California and the federal government. Uh, do you, how do you, Jerry Brown actually did, did a 60 minutes piece where he pitched it quite well and said, you know, look at what, what we've achieved. You know, it, it is, does the country want to go in a direction where, you know, we have tolerance, we have um, a growing economy, we're actually fiscally responsible? Yeah, so if you want to you know, single out California, please do. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And it's, um, it's funny when I see people um, from all over the country uh, say that California is, you know, a crime-ridden hellscape. And I'm like looking outside going, really? Uh, you know, we, we actually are some of the, um, we have one of the world's largest economies and we are able to um, really look to the future as an innovative state on green technology. It's, um, it's something that is, you know, it's a point of pride for California, what we've accomplished, especially in the face of, uh, you know, uh, debt problems, deficit issues that we had not too long ago. Uh, we had the budget crisis that impacted our state, just like uh, the Great Recession impacted everyone else. So, you know, we have made a very strong comeback from that. And it's, you know, it's not perfect, but there's always going to be 
um, you know, in our country, we're going to see during times of success, some people will always be hurting. And it's it's unfortunate, but we are trying to maximize quality of life for as many people as possible here. And we still can work towards doing better. But that does not mean that we are a failure by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, I think we're succeeding quite well. Now, your background is unique aside from being you know, a geologist in which hasn't been quite <laughs> frequent on people's resumes for, for, for public office. But your, your background, your, both of your parents were FBI agents. And how, how has this whole recent showdown of Trump versus the FBI played one in your family? But and how do you see the whole Trump scandal playing out in the district? Uh, you know, I think that, you know, as the Democrats I talk with are very focused on flipping the House uh, and making sure that we get Democrats into local elected office as well. Um, I don't think the scandal is something that we talk about constantly here. It's more of something that's brought up when it's relevant or in passing and gets a lot of groans. Um, the attacks on the DOJ and uh, the FBI specifically. I mean, my parents are very frustrated with that as former FBI agents. Um, but it's, you know, I think it's hard to separate the noise from the reality of different things. So I don't know that people are often able to understand what are the serious attacks and what aren't. But what worries me is that the narrative that Trump has been pushing over the last couple of days, which is it's a witch hunt. It's, uh, you know, this is something that is right. a personal attack against him. It's the worst thing that's ever happened to any president. It really is damaging because it's going to rile up his base who will never believe it's anything other than a witch hunt. Right. Um, and it really undermines the, uh, the institutions that our country has uh, come to trust. And, you know, again, no institution is perfect, but that's why we have to have oversight. And at this point, so many people around Trump uh, have either been indicted or have pled guilty or are cooperating with law enforcement in different ways that um, believing somebody who is in so much hot water is much more of a stretch than it is to believe um, the, the people who have dedicated their careers to protecting our country and making it safer. So it does really hurt our law enforcement uh, community and our intelligence agencies when the president attacks them. Which is and it's ironic because you, you, even your opponent is a former LAPD, and uh, and it's curious. I wonder he's if he's part of the uh, Amen chorus on this issue or not. But um, we have to take a, a short break to allow our advertisers to to give their chorus. And but when we come back, we'll be wrapping up with Jess Phoenix. You're listening to Cyberlaw Business Report only on Webmaster Radio FM. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. All of your favorite WebmasterRadio.fm programs on air and on demand 24-7. Find our shows on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, and anywhere you download your podcasts. Add some podcasts to your playlist as part of a better profit margin. More refreshing talk radio on air and on demand 24-7. 24-7. 
Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. We're everywhere. There are those who dedicate themselves to a sense of honor, to a life of courage, and a commitment to something greater than themselves. They have always defended this nation and each other. They still do. The few, the proud, the Marines. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. And we're back and we're talking with Jess Phoenix, a candidate for Congress in California's 25th District. And um, just a question I, I had a bail run on just before the break um, came back to me. This station is owned by um, the owners of the station also own another radio network called Cannabis Radio. So I, I thought in, in their interest, I'd ask what was your view on the current federal regulation of cannabis? Oh, it's outdated, completely outdated. Um, you know, when you have John Boehner saying he's supporting uh, cannabis uh, industry folks, that's uh, it's a sign of the times. And uh, obviously, he and people in his position recognize the economic potential of cannabis, um, it, as we've seen demonstrated by uh, places like Colorado. But, uh, you know, here in California, we've obviously um, passed legislation to legalize it at the state level. I believe that the federal government, it's time for the federal government to um, change the classification, make sure that it's available to uh, as prescription uh, medication to VA um, benefit recipients. So our, our veterans, a lot of them right now, uh, doctors, uh, VA doctors are able to suggest cannabis, but they cannot prescribe it. Uh, I think that would make a big difference in treating their pain. Uh, but I also have an interesting thought on what we can do to um, help reassure the law, enforce, law enforcement community that we haven't forgotten uh, you know, their preferences and their desires uh, mm-hmm. in this, uh, which is we obviously are going to be collecting lots of revenue from uh, regulating and taxing cannabis sales um, as they have in Colorado. But I think what we could do right now, I've heard from members of the law enforcement community that they have no way of telling if somebody is driving under the influence of marijuana. And unless they smell it, they really don't have any idea. Or they're going three miles an hour. (laughs) Yeah, that too, that too. Um, But, you know, now I think what we need to do is invest some of that money into developing uh, devices kind of like a breathalyzer for for alcohol, but doing something similar for um, THC (coughs) and some blood. So that would um, provide our law enforcement officers with a tool that they could use to do their job and to keep people on the roadways safe. Uh, So that's something that I heard from law enforcement that I think we can address with uh, the revenues that we'll see from from legalizing and regulating marijuana. And and where do you where do you see the science on the, the health effects of using cannabis? You know, I've I've read a lot about um, when you smoke it. Uh, obviously, inhaling something that is on fire is going to cause some damage to your lungs. Right. Uh, so I've I've seen. A better health sort of data from other applications of cannabis. Uh, it seems like it has fewer side effects that are harmful uh, if it is ingested, as long as you can regulate the dose and you know how much you're getting. Uh, and then the oils and topical applications seem to have a lot of promise. So I think, um, you know, making sure that we find uh, the safest potential ways for people to 
uh, consume it for medicinal purposes and for recreational purposes. I think that needs to be uh, a key focus moving forward. Now, in in terms of the Rio race, uh, I've actually looked at it and met some of the one of the other candidates, and I, I reached out to you because I actually didn't think the, that candidate was really going to get get there. I don't think she had what it took to, uh, I think, win or even be a, a good congressperson, and 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 so I. I talked to people about you and I followed you for some time and we have met you a couple months ago but um, and so uh, part of the reason we had you on the show because I wanted to give you this platform to you know to show what what you could bring to California's 25th and that and to show you as a kind of a representative of a new wave of candidates who are clearly a, a democratic but not necessarily ideological you know, if you if you run by science, you can't be ideological because facts matter. Right, and facts are not. Um, you know, they don't belong to one party uh, and not to the other. It's just that. Uh, you know, what we're seeing right now is the more evidence-based policies, proposals seem to be coming from the Democratic side. That doesn't mean that will always be the case, and it doesn't mean that's all of those policy proposals. So I think that. You know, it's really important to look beyond party lines because we have two parties and we have 330 million plus people in America. To think that, you know, the major two parties are going to fit even most people is kind of a not real solid way of thinking about it. So people need to say, look, I'm going to look at the individual candidates and what they bring to the table for as many races as they have time to to investigate and really see who is moving beyond just party talking points and who has uh, that real authenticity about them that people seem to really want these days, particularly in an age of terms like alternative facts entering our, our lexicon, which is, right, quite frankly, a little scary. Yes, and uh, I, I am proud of the fact that uh, Ted Lieu, who was on this show as part of the Silicon Beach debate, actually has a sign outside his office in Washington that is an alternative fact-free zone. And <laughs> if, you, if you get elected, I encourage you to do the same. So we only have a few minutes left. If people want to follow you or learn more about you, what's the best way to do it? Or is there some events you want to tell us that are coming up? Um, so I actually, uh, there are a couple events around the corner that I'm going to be taking part in. They aren't uh, necessarily specific to my campaign. You can find specific ones to my campaign on my website, uh, just2018.com. Uh, that's where you can see what's on our calendar for the next couple of weeks. Um, and I invite people to come to anything that piques their interest. But uh, on Saturday... If uh, if you're concerned about the gun violence epidemic, a uh, couple of students, well, several students in the Antelope Valley have organized a march in response to the shooting at Highland High School in Palmdale just a couple of weeks ago. Um, it was very close to home for a lot of folks. So the students would love support. So if anybody is around Southern California and would like to make the drive on Saturday at 10 a.m. at the Antelope Valley Mall in Palmdale, people are meeting at the fountain at the mall. And then there will be a relatively short march to Highland High School to support the students who are trying to take action to uh, make their schools and communities safer. So that's a really important one on this coming Saturday, the 26th. And then the next day, uh, the 27th, uh, there's going to be an event, uh, a pollution cleanup event uh, organized by students of Santa Susana High School 
in Simi Valley. So that'll be at the Rancho Simi Community Park by the tennis courts. And that starts at 9 a.m. Sunday. Uh, it'll last until noon, and we're going to be cleaning up uh, the Arroyo in Simi, which is a you know a watershed area that has a lot of garbage in it. Uh, so that I'll be at both of those events. I'll be speaking for sure at the at the gun march, uh, and probably also at the pollution cleanup event. Uh, and it'd be a great chance for people to get out and you know even if you're not from this district, learn about it, meet people who live here, and see what matters to us. Uh, so those are two non-campaign specific events, but important community events that it would be great to have people participate in. I'm, I'm uh, and then you... also, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, I was okay. just going to say, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook too, but I'll do that after. Say, say what you were going to say. Yeah, I'm, glad, I'm glad you brought up the the gun violence event because, you know, um, you are a, you were in Columbine when the, the shooting happened. Oh, well, um, no, no. I didn't go to Columbine. My boyfriend no, but you were lived in the did. city, right? Oh, it's not a city. It's actually Littleton is the city. Columbine oh, okay. is the high school. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. It's that's a common thing. Don't don't worry about that. But no, um, I yeah, I grew up. Well, I I went to high school in Littleton, Colorado, and uh, my boyfriend at the time of the shooting went to Columbine. A bunch of my friends did, so I knew people who were killed, and I saw firsthand how it affects a community um, forever. So yeah, it's a very personal issue for me. Same here. I mean, I'm I'm friends with Gabby Giffords from before. Um, oh, the wow. shooting. I've represented victims of gun violence, who then ultimately get one who survived, and only to be stalked by. There's these crazies that worship the shooter. Um, oh. So uh, yeah, I had to help help one of them. But wow. um, it's a very important issue, and, and to have someone who can you know has that background, I think is important. It can that can give a deliver a voice that isn't being heard in Washington. But um, going back to your next point, if people want to follow you on the web and on Twitter, where should they go? Uh, so Twitter is where I I personally am very active. Uh, that is at Jess Phoenix 2018. Uh, and then on Instagram, it's the same thing at Jess Phoenix 2018. And, uh, Facebook is, uh, facebook.com slash Jess PHX. So like the Phoenix airport code. Um, so that's, and you can also look up Jess Phoenix and you'll see which one is the page versus which one is my personal Facebook. Um, but yeah, I mean, those are the best places where I am, you know, easy to reach online and, Twitter, if people, you know, if people follow me and, uh, you know, they say where they heard me or where they, where we met, then it makes it easier for me to follow you back because I know you're a real person and not a bot. <laughs> Great. And if, if you win, what will President Trump tweet be about your victory? Oh, man. Probably something about, you know, unstable volcanologist wants to erupt in D.C. You know, something something mildly witty, but mostly just goofy. <laughs> Probably a fair assessment. Well, thank you. We have a, we have links, of course, to your website and Twitter account on our show notes. I want to thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure having you. Best of luck in June 5th. And everyone check out Just Phoenix. And next week we'll be talking about homelessness in Silicon Valley and Silicon Beach. Um, but that's all for this week on Cyberlaw Business Report. Thank you for joining us. Check us out on Twitter at Cyberlaw Radio. And check out the Internet Law Center, internetlawcenter.net. We're a full-service internet law firm. Have a great week, everyone. This is Ben and Kelly. See you next week. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. 
any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of webmasterradio.fm is prohibited. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.